seeing what my culture was and just the creativeness of the, the people of the continent, specifically Nigeria, was so inspiring to me that I made it my mission to work on bridging the gap, work on telling the stories of what's happening across the sea, what's happening here, and, and how to merge and infuse the high fashion world of what we're doing here in America and what they're doing there in, in Nigeria. This is What's Next podcast with Yumindi Francis. We're talking fashion, business, and what's next. Let's go. Today we have native New Yorker Ade Samuel, who's setting the standards among Hollywood's creatives, impressing the industry with her dynamic, one-of-a-kind approach to cutting-edge style. Raised in the Bronx, Ade was born to a family of Nigerian descent. Her notable clients have been Michael B. Jordan, Daniel Kaluuya, Cynthia Erivo, Big Sean, Yara Shahidi, Miley Cyrus, Khaled, and City Girls, and the list goes on and on. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm pleased to introduce my friend Ade Samuel. Welcome, Ade, to What's Next podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. Such thanks. a great intro. Oh, <laughs> I mean, well, you know, you did all of that. You did all of that. <laughs> Welcome to New York. Uh, I know you're here on the heels of your Good Morning America parents after the Oscars. Yes, yes. So we're so happy you made time to sit with us. Yes, while I'm so here. happy to be here. Well, so you, proud of you, too. Oh, I'm exciting. <laughs> you look cute, too. Thank you, darling. Well, I'm wearing the Ade Samuel yeah. collection. From Macy's, I, I absolutely, to be honest, walking over here from the car, you know, I got so many compliments about my chocolate look. So, you know, definitely onto something. I have a few pieces that I love and honestly, nothing but compliments. Yes, chocolate goddess. Okay. No, this was the intentionality with this, this monotone. You actually put the look together how I envisioned it. So it's perfect. Oh, kudos to me. <laughs> And so fit check, what are we wearing today? You're always so fabulous. Oh, uh, well, I, for you, you know, I had to come fab. But I'm wearing Izimiyaki and, yeah, some jewelry, diesel, and dreams. Every, everything's given. The nails are <laughs> given. The bijou's given. Yes. We love it. Wait, what is this bracelet, by the way? Oh, this bracelet. <laughs> this is vintage, almost vintage Bottega Veneta. Oh. Um, it was. What does almost vintage mean? Almost twenty years old. Wow. Bottega Veneta, if I'm not mistaken, almost vintage, and it is from Thomas Meyer's collection. It was inspired by the doors at the Fenice Opera in Venice. Ooh, That's why they so have pretty. these fantastic hinges. It's this Baroque style, and I really love the the jewelry from the yeah. costume jewelry from Bottega Veneta and Chanel. They just you know, and Dior as well. They make really great costume pieces that, you know, age well, vintage, timeless. You can pass down from generation to generation. Yes. So these brands have done a really great job. This is a very special piece. And, you know, I love wearing things that tell stories. It looks good. No, and Thanks. I'm a big jewelry person, I, I can tell. I can but see, I can today see. I'm a little bit light, but... <laughs> Well, you have impeccable style. Oh, so let's get into it, dear. Yes. How did you get here? Tell us about your professional journey. I got here via Uber. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a jet. Sorry, too many jokes. Um. So tell us. Tell me about my journey. Okay. Yeah. You have. You've had such a phenomenal career trajectory. Ooh, Jesus. How do you become a celebrity stylist? Tell us. You know, yeah. our listeners love hearing about the journey and understanding how you have been able to yeah. garner the success that you've gotten. It's not easy, yeah. you know, to break into the industry, but not only have you broken into the industry, you've managed to soar. Let, let, lest I forget uh, to mention the fact that you've had a full-page profile in the New York Times, 
in oh. the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. You've had, you've produced your own short film short with BET. Yeah. You've really transcended again. Good morning, America. Yeah. How? Yeah. <laughs> like I'm still confused, but no, I think I always like to say I hustled and grind, you know, in the beginning. I did a lot of hustling during, and hustling meaning internships, you know, okay. consistent work. You know, I started my career in New York. I, I always say that was my first career before I started my second wind in LA, and now I'm going for my third wind, but... We'll get into that. Right. <laughs> my, so I started as an intern, kind of just trying to figure out what part of fashion I wanted to be in, you know, so... In that journey, I took on whatever job. I said yes to whatever I could get. And my first opportunity was with a PR company. So I started on PR trying to figure out, okay, do I like PR? What do they do? How do I, you know, how can I figure out this world? I went from Trachtenberg & Cole to DVF, which was going from like a PR firm to an in-house PR company. Interesting. Going Working at DVF, I realized, oh my gosh, I love seeing the stylist pull the clothes. So I realized, oh, okay, so there's someone else in between that's actually pulling the clothes. And that made me, you know, have, that made me interested in going into magazines. So before I went into magazines, I had an opportunity to in intern at Fashion Week when it was in the tents. So I interned with the woman named Fern Malice, who we at the time Malice. was the creator of Fashion Week. And I was like her right hand. You know, my job was to secure her seats at the show to make sure that she, um, and it was such a little job, but the all access was enough for me. You know, I, had, I was bouncing around every different show and, and just meeting so many different people, which got me an opportunity to work at W Magazine as an intern. And one of the day, one of the editors were needed to go on like a trip to like Aspen or something. And they were like, okay, we need someone to run the closet for a week. So we're going to leave you. So I took my, shout out to Garrett Munts. I took his role as like for a week, but I was still an intern. And that really just heightened my my love, you know, because I always tell people I was in the room during that time when Camilla Nicholson and Alex White had a desk. You know, Edward Enenfo was like an editor, you know, coming down because Stephen Tonchi was you know, I, I believe the editor-in-chief at the time for W. So it was such a different world. You know, you had Laurie Step Goldstein. <laughs> yes. You had Laurie Goldstein running in and out. You had all these amazing stylists running in and out. And I and I realized that like, oh, okay, I think I want to be a stylist. But I still was trying to figure it out because I also loved editorial. So I then got an internship with Teen Vogue and, and that was my first position with Condé Nast. And being an intern there was amazing. I was still in school. I was still working on my odd jobs. And before I graduated, they offered me a role as a fashion closet assistant. Um, and I graduated from there to become an accessories assistant editor. And being in those two roles, I really got to network and meet amazing stylists that were coming in the room, some that I would help on the weekends. And I remember it was so funny because I got an opportunity to work with Carmela and Carla at the time. Carla Welch was a duo back in the day. It was Carmela and Carla. And, you know, Carla was like, no, you need to stay at Teen Vogue. Like, you need to get the contacts, get the network. And, you know, I followed her advice and ended up staying there. And then when it was time to leave three years later, I realized, you know, it's time to make the big jump. And that's what I did. And I started, you know, I got a position to assist in another stylist here, Coulter. And it was for, with Rosie Huntington. So I assisted Shea Coulter with a client named Rosie Huntington Whitley. And 
that's when I fell in love with styling, you know, working with Rosie, styling her, being in the midst of the photographers and the red carpet and the Hollywood. It was just amazing. And, and that really was, is what kickstarted my, my career. So how did I start? I mean, I, I literally just took so many jobs and, and just kind of, you know, got my feet wet, figured out what I loved within fashion because I had no idea and went from all different worlds of it and, and, and landed in styling. That's so incredible. Yeah. There's so much passion behind those moments. You so eloquently took us through your your journey, but what is that feeling when you're given that opportunity? Because you really never know, and it's so hard to break into these spaces and get these opportunities. I just know, like, I remember being an intern, and, you know, and, and you never know. You have a dream, right? Yeah. It's a passion inside, yeah, yeah. and then it's like, everything is unfolding for you and it doesn't happen for everyone, yeah. you know? It was exciting. I think I was the most excited while I was an intern, right? Because I always, I always tell people like, my mindset was always, I was pledging. That's how I saw it. <laughs> so my mindset was, I always told myself, I'm pledging until I cross, I'm pledging until I cross. And that's only because I was so exposed to Greek life at an early age. Pledging so a sorority me, for those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and there were moments that it felt like we were pledging. Oh, yeah. And getting haze, <laughs> you know, and the ones who know, know. But, you know, I always had that mentality. But I also, it was such an exciting time during my era of, like, growing in fashion. You know, I always tell people, like, I got to see the armadillo shoe in person. You right. know, like, I got to see a lot of fashion in the in in the forefront, you know. And, I, and it's such a bummer that people don't have the opportunity to intern these days because, you really get exposure to the things, you know, the things that you see on the magazines or you see on the runway. And I think for me, I, I always saw it as an exciting thing. And, and it's because of where I came from, you know, being a girl from the Bronx, I never was really exposed to high fashion in that way. So in these positions, I just saw them as opportunities. And I always, I always hustled and grind to the point where some people were like, okay, are you, are we here to, are you like, <laughs> funny situations but I always had situations where people like you're taking this a little too serious and I was like yeah I'm gonna get a job like I am going to but um yeah I think that to answer your question I just always saw it as a fun fun kind of experience and and it really was me knowing that I had to do this I had to do x to get to that to z right. you know what I mean right that's very inspiring I know that will resonate with a lot of folks so what has been a pivotal or defining moment in your career that changed your trajectory for better or for worse? Mm. I think when I got the opportunity to really dive into the creative direction space, that really was an amazing opportunity. You know, now I graduated in a way, and not really graduated, but now I'm kind of enhancing and expanding my creative vision as from just a stylist and growing into creative director. So, you know, I just did the creative direction for City Girls for the Coachella performance. And really diving into that space has been a huge pivot for me. And a monumental moment for me to just kind of see my visual eye, not from just the standpoint of like putting clothes on clients, right. but what it looks like in motion, you know. And I think that's been super exciting for me as I, you know, as I grow and, and expand in, in my in my world of what I want to do. Because my mind, sometimes I feel like I'm so, there's so much that I want to do. <laughs> there's yeah. so much that I have creatively that I want to see in the world. So it's been really exciting diving into those space of like creative direction and video content as well. Yeah, just tell for, for those listeners that might not know the difference between mm -hmm. styling and creative direction, can yeah. you 
explain it a little bit. I will yeah. say, you know, you've had such a fantastic career in styling and n- knowing you personally, being alongside you along that journey, it was very interesting when you were like, I want to move into creative direction yeah. more. And you did it so seamlessly. So what's the difference? Yeah, so stylists are, you know, there to... A stylist is someone who's the creative visionary for an artist, an actor, a, an, you know, musician. You know, they're the ones who's going to basically liaison your creative vision for that artist, for the red carpet, for their music videos. It's very specific. Where creative direction, the visuals and the vision is from you. And I think that's the biggest difference. You know, even though we're stylists, sometimes we don't always have to creative control because most stylists will tell you they're not going to push an agenda, a look, or an idea for their client, where like when you're a creative director, you do push an idea, you do push the artistry, you do have a creative vision that is is sometimes nuanced, but also most of the time new, you know? And, And I think as a stylist, you are often the person that's calling in the clothes, getting the stuff, dressing the client. We're like a creative director. It kind of hands off with that, which is a beautiful part. (laughs) Right. I get it. I get it. (laughs) So you are responsible for so many beautiful editorial fashion stories and leading publications. Yeah. You know, do you prefer editorial over celebrity style? And what are your feelings towards both? Mm, I love it. I'm an editorial girl, you know, and I think that I love the creative freedom that you have doing editorial. But I love the feeling of making people and clients and my artists feel good as a stylist. So I think it really just depends on, it just really depends on the moment. If I had, if I had to pick one, if I was given one shot, it would be editorial because I do love the artistry. I love the creative vision and the creative freedom that you have. I think most people don't realize as an editor, you really can tell a story that comes to mind in just a unique way. And I, and I find it to be so fun, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, you've been able to mesh the two you've had. Yeah. You've done editorial shoots for some of your clients, yeah. some of the best publications in the world. And yeah. those pages are always so wonderful. Like Naomi Harris. I remember yeah. seeing a beautiful editorial for Essence, I believe. Yes, that yes, you did yes. Or that, you know, and it's mm-hmm. just, you see the editorial and you, and you know, you, you, you're, you lose your breath because yeah. the images are so beautiful Thank and that's, you. you know, something that you're known for. Thank so, you. so what inspires you? The world <laughs> inspires me. Traveling inspires me. I'm super inspired by, and I always often say this, real people, you know, travel. I like to travel a lot, a lot of leisurely you know, just research, just going outside, especially when I'm in New York or when I'm in Nigeria or when I'm in like Europe. It's really important for me to just explore what people are doing authentically. That really is my biggest inspiration, seeing humans live, you know, and the way that they live and the way that they dress and what they gravitate towards. So I'm, and then film, you know, a lot of people, if you know me closely, I watch a lot of films and do a lot of research on just different eras. I'm, I'm so into, the different eras of fashion, the different eras of film, the different eras of just creative visions and photographers. So I am inspired by the world. And I think it's so important that I continue to travel so that I can get, be that myself that, you know, I think we live in such a digital era, social media time that sometimes I have to force myself not to look on social media and actually walk the world so that I can see new visions and, and get inspired by that way. It's so interesting. I, I'm a big fan of a lot of your, obviously, a lot of your work. Yeah, and you have such a global perspective. Um, in the last years, I've noticed how much you've infused 
a lot of your African culture and things that you do on the continent into your work and also special projects that you've done on the continent. Can you talk to me a little bit about that and how, you know, how that the passion, obviously your background drives the passion, but you've come up with some really beautiful things. Can we talk about those projects? Yes. So I had the opportunity of going to Nigeria again after a long time, like, you know, maybe from when I was a child, I went back in about 2017 and going to the continent was so life-changing, like seeing what my culture was, what the tradition was, what the heritage of my family and the backgrounds of my ancestors was, and just the creativeness of the the people of the continent, specifically Nigeria, was so inspiring to me that I found, you know, I, I made it my mission to work on bridging the gap, work on telling the stories of what's happening across the seas, what's happening here, and and how to merge and infuse, you know, kind of the high fashion world of what we're doing here in America and what they're doing there in, in Nigeria and all, all, honestly all, all over the continent because fashion, art, beauty, everything is just so, music is so heightened over the continent that I found it to be something that just truly just inspired and, and sparked a, a, a need for me to just expose that to the world. Right. So with that, I, I thought, you know, how can I infuse my culture with what I'm doing? And a lot of that was like, okay, well, I have the freedom and opportunity to bring, you know, awareness to certain designers that are you know, in the continent that maybe people don't know about. You know, I have the opportunity to promote certain artistries that people don't know about or certain, you know, places in, in Africa. So going in 2017, you know, I ended up bringing Vogue along the journey with me and we did like a, you know, behind the scenes just because I was so inspired by what they already had to offer. It wasn't like going in there and being like, this is what we need to do or right. this is the American vibe. You guys should adapt. It was more of like, oh, wait, you guys are super cool. Why don't, America needs to see this. Like the world needs to see this. And that really was just, you know, important. And being someone from Nigerian descent, I just really wanted to infuse my culture. Beautiful. You know? It was so beautifully done. Thank you. So you mentioned so many stylists that you had the great fortune of learning from and working with. Who inspires you? Who do you look up to in the industry mm. that, you know, that's a stylist that, you yeah. know, really has been your guiding light? Someone you admire. It's so interesting because I think that a lot of the people that I'm inspired by, I've worked with. But, you know, one person that I'm, well, a couple of people, but I'm super inspired by Patty Wilson. You know, when I look at her, I've had the blessed opportunity to assist her during my assistant days when I actually left Team Vogue and I was straggling on what I was going to do next. And she's just honestly the, the epitome of class, unique, eccentric styling. She's a black icon, queen. So I'm so inspired by her. Ruth Carter, June Ambrose, Misa Hilton. I'm inspired by a lot of the greats, you know, because I think that as a black stylist, as a black female stylist, I didn't see a lot of me, you know, in my come up. So they're the ones who who were the re real reason why I kept on dreaming. And, and they're the big ones for me. Right. And yeah. not to be cliche, but what's the importance of representation? You just yeah. mentioned that you didn't see yourself coming mm. up. How yeah. important is that? Because obviously you're inspiring others who yeah. are trying to make it already in the space coming yeah. up. What does representation mean for you? 
representation to me is so important, you know, because if you see yourself, then you believe that you can get there, you know. So for me, I did not see myself growing up in the business, but I saw people that were doing things or people that have left the mark like June, Misa, Patty Wilson, and they really, yeah, they really made me feel like I can, I can obtain that. And I think that's what representation does. It just makes that little dreamer feel like it's obtainable. You know, when everyone saw a Black president firstly elected, we all felt like, okay, it's not impossible anymore. Right. And I think that's what representation does. It, 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 it removes that idea of impossibility. And I think that's necessary for, for the youth, honestly, which is another reason why, you know, my mission of bridging that gap with Africa is so important because the youth, the future, the future of artistries, artists, and stylists and creatives, it really starts with us. It starts with the people that are doing it now. And, you know, I don't really look at myself like, oh my gosh, I'm inspiring this person or that person. I'm just, I just believe in what I do, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Well, Miss Thing, you have an indelible style. (laughs) You know, you are fierce. I love the way you put clothes together. Mm. I've run through the streets of Paris with you. (laughs) Girl, we have been shopping. So much fun in Paris. We need another date over there. Yes, yes, yes. In time. We don't have a choice, really, right? Right. I want to know what designers are you feeling? You know, who do you go to? I mean, you're wearing Izzy Miyake right now. I know I'm often wear Izzy Miyake. I love Izzy Miyake. I love... See, I don't have a favorite. So that's why it's always hard when people ask me, like, what's your favorite? What's What's your group? What's your group? You know, but I definitely am a big fan of a lot of European designers, Japanese designers. Um, Izzy Miyake, you'll see me and Izzy Miyake all the time. Dries Van Noten, you'll see me and a lot of Margiela, Simone Rocha. You know, I'm very into the unique fashion designers, the ones who are still taking risk. Commercially, you know, you always see me in Philip Lim, Sakai. Those brands are always, you know, brands that I love. It's, it's usually the brands that everyone's not gravitating towards. Right. It's the brands that you're like, oh, I'm, what is a day wearing? But I have a lot of people that I love. It's it's no one, you know, it's no one. I think I, I'm too much of a stylist. Like, I just like everyone, to be honest. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. You definitely know what's up. <laughs> so you recently launched your first fashion collection with Macy's International Concepts. I had the honor of wearing it today. Yes. And I... Of course, I put it on because you were here, but, you know, <laughs> I'm in the collection. I wear the things. So yeah, definitely. I I love the ease of it, the versatility. Mm-hmm. I see that you thought of, you know, many different women. Mm-hmm. So I think what's interesting for, you know, our listeners is the fact that you are, you know, your pivot, your pivot into all of these spaces, styling, creative direction, and now a designer. So mm-hmm. how did you feel about your first foray into design and, you know, what did you do? When did you get the call? Take us through the steps. Oh, my God. That call was so funny because it happened like right before the year of 2021 ended. And it was such an interesting time. We had just finished the pandemic. You know, well, I guess the pandemic was still happening. <laughs> you know, it was still the Easing height of. Little. Yeah, it was like the pandemic was still. We were just in the height of the pandemic. I should say we started out as the height of the pandemic. And I got that call and it was just really interesting because I have such a love for Macy's. Growing up in New York, we all went to Macy's on Harold Square. It was a staple as a fashion girl. I worked in that facility because I worked in so many retail stores. 
So it was just amazing to get a call from a staple brand that I knew my mom would love. Yeah. When I got the opportunity, you know, I had to definitely look at the people before me and Misa Hilton, you know, someone who I'm truly inspired by, someone who I call mother, who I love. And she's like a, a fiercest ever. An important person <laughs> in my life or to me. And I remember calling her and be like, I got the same opportunity. What do you think? And she's like, you have to do it. And I was just like, I know that this would be my chance to just really let that creative mind that I had of designing free. Macy's was probably one of the best people and best companies to work with. I mean, it was super seamless. It was so amazing. It was so easy. Like, honestly, it was the easiest collection to to develop. But it was uniquely different for me because I had never developed clothes. Everything that I did was shoes, you know, and or like working in the closet with accessories. So to to be asked to do a clothing line just felt different, scary, but also fun. So it was a quick turnaround. You know, they called me at the end of 2021. By the beginning of January 2022, I had to have my collection developed and ready to go. I'm not a technical designer. So it was a lot of pulling references of things that I would either wear or things that I've seen people wear or things that like staples pieces that I know is going to live in my closet forever. Like even with what you're wearing, I see staple. I wanted things to be classic. I wanted people to feel like, oh, I can wear this in 10 years from now. People might ask, where is that from? And it feels vintage. (laughs) And that's, that's what I wanted it to give. So it was unique. It was scary, but it was also fun. And the scary part was just are people going to like it? How are right. people going to respond? How is it going to be worn? Like, how are people going to style it? But the fun fact, the fun part was developing it with them. And, and I had so much fun doing that. Like, it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you are multi-hyphenated, of course, by <laughs> now. And you just mentioned shoes. Yeah. And you did have a shoe collection at one time. Yeah. And, you know, entrepreneurship isn't easy. But what, you know, how do you feel about that? And that experience. Shoes was a whole different beast. Um, and it was one of my favorites. By God's grace, I'll be bringing it back into the world. We and can't wait. It into the universe <laughs> now. But listening. Right. But it definitely was an amazing experience. It was the first time that I took a risk. You know, as an assistant, you know, I found that what I wanted to invest a lot of my earnings in was developing something that I was passionate about. You know, in the beginning, I mentioned that I became an accessories editor at Teen Vogue. So a lot of my world was in accessories. Even when I was at W, I lived kind of in that accessories world. And I'm a shoe lover. Everybody who knows me knows that I love shoes. So I really wanted to give it a go. I had lived in Italy for a stint while I was in college, while I studied abroad. So I knew that I wanted to produce shoes in Italy. And I really just took a leap of faith to do that. Of course, the challenge came with funding. At the time, you know, before 2020, before the pandemic, Black designers, Black artists, Black creatives weren't getting the light. We weren't being invested in. People weren't trying to give us capitals or invest in in loans and grants and all of these amazing things that happened post the pandemic. So a lot of chunk of the money was my savings. And, you know, after doing trade shows and having multiple desk side appointments, you know, for people who don't know desk sides are when you meet with editors and at the magazine. People in the industries yeah. to to promote. And I had great traction. You know, Yara Shahidi was in my shoes. Kelly Rowland was in my shoes. You know, Alicia Silverstone, you know, Clueless, Cher was in my shoes. And it was amazing traction, but the traction didn't equate to the ample amount of sales that that I wanted. So I found, and then on top of that, 
my career started to pick up, you know? So it became one of those things where I had to make a choice, you know? It was like, I had clients coming out of the woodwork and wanting to work with me, which was amazing. And then I had the shoes. And unfortunately, it's not an easy, you know, an easy journey to say, I want to be a shoe designer, which everyone that makes, that designs know that accessories is the hardest and then be a stylist. So I decided to make a decision and that choice was to go full force into my world of styling because I didn't want all my interning and free work to go. I noticed, I said, you know what, girl, you're going to get back to your shoes after you get all some more, you know, capital in the bank. And, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to say it was definitely an amazing experience. I love my shoe collection. I loved what I made and I can't wait to bring it back into the world. I'm excited to hear that you can't wait to bring it back into yeah, the world because, right. you know, things have changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's been more visibility and it is a problem with, you know, less than 2% of Black female founders mm-hmm. garnering venture capital for their businesses. Yeah. And that shoe collection was everything I expected oh, it to be you. from you. So whatever you touch turns the goal for we sure. Wait in, for we sure. wait in. Yeah. <laughs> so did this process with Macy's and your beautiful collection of international concepts open up your mind or dreams for anything else? I think it did. I think I definitely loved the designing process. I think, you know, being a designer, I always thought about it in accessories. So working with Macy and doing ready to wear, I really felt like oh, there's more silhouettes that I want to do. There's more looks that I see people need to wear. So it did open my mind up. I'm really excited to dive into ready to wear and see how I can expand in that space for sure. Awesome. Well, we are waiting. Yeah. So many visions and dreams coming out of this. (laughs) And that's what it's about. Inspiration and growth. And I love your fearlessness. I love that you... Whatever you envision, like you said, you have all these dreams and ideas in your head and little by little you're making it all happen, which is inspiring to people, you know, who also dream to go outside of the box. Yes. So you're based in Los Angeles. Yes, I am. (laughs) Have you found there to be a benefit to being on either coast, east, east or west coast for business? I mean, so many stylists, you know, are in between the two? Or is being bi-coastal a requirement? Bi-coastal is just great. (laughs) It's just great living. It's not a requirement. You know, I'm from New York, born and bred from the Bronx. So I will always find, you know, have New York as a home, but also a love in my heart. So with that being said, I love living in New York better, (laughs) but I definitely feel as though it's been a benefit living in L.A. I moved to L.A. 10 years ago. And I can't believe what I I know it's so crazy so fast. But what I found about Los Angeles is that it is a little bit more of a what's the best word? Hmm. You do garner great success being in L.A. You know, I do find that living in L.A. is you have better exposure. Maybe it's the sun that keeps you a little bit happier, but you do have better exposure to growth and what you want to do. And I found that to be the case with me going out to LA my first year and just getting so many opportunities, just being in at the foot of celebrity. And I think that's the biggest difference. LA is celebrity. And I would say LA is for celebrity. New York is for editorial. So it really just depends on what space you want to be in. When you get to a certain tier in your life, it'll be good to live in both coasts because you'll have opportunities in both coasts. Right. But I find that you are more, you, 
it's you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. But if you make it in LA, there's true success and there's true financial freedom that can really happen that I find to happen it that I found happened with me in LA. That's great. I appreciate your perspective. That's yeah. a gem somebody's gonna take yeah. away for sure. Yeah. I wanna talk to you about branding and yeah. personal branding. And you have done such a great job with that. And how does social media help with that? And what is your singular vision about that? There's so many platforms now. How do you yeah. find the time? How do you find the time? You got to make the time. You got to force yourself to make the time. But um, I love social media. You know, I was just talking to someone about this. Like, I've accepted where we are in this era, you know. And I, I think also I didn't come up during the time of social media. I, I always run back the story of being a Condé Nast and, you know, Ava Chen being like, everyone loves your nails on, you know, when social media first started, it was a six-month trial at Condé Nast. They sent it as an email that we're going to have a social media editor come. We're going to see what it's about. They're going to be taking videos and pictures of us for Fashion Week. And I was like, what is this? You know, Facebook was so personal to everyone. So we had that. We had MySpace during my era. But when Instagram came out, it was uniquely different. And I don't think that I accepted it in the beginning because I came from a studied background of fashion. You know, I had to intern, I had to work my way up to get to it. But as the years have gone by, I find that social media has really helped the visibility of me. I think I'm one of the stylists that came up during the social media, you know, kind of era in, in a way, in the sense of like celebrity styling and exposure and people really getting to see like the behind the scenes and what we do. Um, it's really helped me a lot in, with my clients. You know, a lot of times people are like, do you pitch clients? Do you do this? No. A lot of my clients have come to me through, through social media, which I find to be so amazing. A lot of opportunities have come to me through social media. And I just make the time. I don't I don't take social media so seriously like yeah. other people, you know, tell you you should. I think it's really fun. I do think there is seriousness to it because of the fact that it is now your resume is a visual resume for people. But I think that the more you have fun with it, the more that people see an authenticity from you that they want to either emulate, want to be a part of, want to, you know, figure out how they can Im infuse it into their, 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 their world. So, yeah, so I just kind of accepted social media and, and then use it for my generation or, or myself on based on how I like to, honestly. That's yeah. the best way to explain it. That's a jewel and a gem, a visual resume. I mean, I certainly get business from social media. Yeah, like, every time I post, yeah. you know, some company or someone's in yeah. my DM. And I don't think a lot of folks realize that. And, yeah. you know, just keep posting. Just keep, keep posting. posting and putting yourself out there. Yes. It doesn't matter if three people like it, they're watching. <laughs> It'll build up over time. Keep yes. going. So how do it feel? to be awarded Designer of the Year in 2022 by Harlem's Fashion World? Oh, it felt great. It, fine. it felt really, really good. You know, Harlem Fashion World is an organization that I truly respect, especially as a Black stylist. I love what Brandis has been doing for our community of the culture. And also so many legends before me has gotten that award. So just to be recognized, to be given some flowers, especially, again, being in a space where I don't often feel respected in, in, in what I've done and, and just kind of the place that I've been in this business. It just felt good to have an organization that I respect, an organization that I see myself as a part of. Give me love. And it, and it felt really good. My parents were in the room. Um, I was honored with Janet Jackson and Issa Rae. By like, the way. <laughs> I couldn't have it asked for a better day. day. And, and yeah, it was amazing. That's so great. 
So what's next for you? You're going to see a lot of, there's so much that's going on with me that's next, but you're going to see a lot of me doing a lot of visual, creative visual things. Um, and I say that because I don't necessarily like titles. So, you know, I'm not going to call myself a director or, or this thing or that thing. I think that what's in my brain, what's in a day, Samuel, according to a day's world, it's just going to start getting unleashed. We're going to see a little bit more of me being in the background of a lot of creative projects and really just al- allowing for all of this to come out. You know, clothing line and or shoe line is in the works as well. And just more of me, you know, yeah. getting to know me. And I think people have seen that too through my social media. Everyone's like, you don't post your client like that anymore. You don't post this person. Yeah. I'm like, no, because I don't want Ade Samuel to just be the stylist that is a stylist for this star, this star, this star. I want Ade Samuel to be a brand that people are inspired from. That's like, she doesn't keep herself in a box. I don't want to be box. So that's what you'll see a lot of in the future. Well, I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Good luck and keep going. You we are, keep the world is your oyster. It is. You know? So where do we find you, Ade? You can find me on social media. <laughs> Ade Samuel, my name on Instagram and or TikTok, which I love now. I'm such a TikTok girl. And online. Okay, yeah. great, great. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. This is awesome. And this yeah. is such a beautiful platform. So I'm so excited for you to just see you keep rising and I'm so excited to see all your guests that it's going to come through and this is you're the perfect person to have a podcast <laughs> the interviewing because you're also an icon too thank you so Rebecca. I'm sure she's going to get to it but yeah thank you Ate uh, thanks bro thanks for having me this it's is an great. honor it's an honor oh this was great well that's it for today with what's next podcast with you Mindy Francis take care